Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to our latest Outsports podcast. It is late May. Got Memorial Day weekend, the start of summer, just around the corner. Memorial Day weekend starts. I maybe it starts on Thursday at this point. I think people are already headed out of town. I know a lot of friends of mine are. Uh, I am staying in LA. I think this long weekend, though we may be Dan and I, my husband, may be headed out to Palm Springs. Got a lot of people, friends out there, and can't decide which parties we want to go to. Memorial Day weekend every year is uh, my birthday. It follows on my birthday. My birthday happens to be on Friday this year, so I uh, I will I'm sure guilt Dan into buying me uh, a, a a cake. I I used to when I was a kid I used to hate cake. I loved pie, but now I just cannot get enough cake and frosting. Uh, though I, though we are going away to Europe in about a week, so I gotta, I gotta watch how, how many pieces of cake I eat, because those, uh, those European guys are gonna be in good shape, so I need to be too. Anyhow, enough of that. Um, it is Memorial Day weekend, and it's kind of the, the dead time of sports is around the corner. It should be a deader time of sport. well, I guess not deader, because it's all the NBA Finals, but... Jim has yet to join us. Maybe he's having yet still more technical difficulties. But I was going to make fun of him for last week, proclaiming that after game one of the Eastern Conference Finals in the NBA, that the Cavaliers were, the series was over and the Cavaliers would sweep through and win in four games. And of course, headed back to Toronto for game six. And, uh, if, if the first two games in Toronto are an indication, they'll be headed back to Cleveland for Game 7. Uh, but, you know, Jim, unfortunately, is not with us. I don't know where he is. So I can't – oh, I guess I can make fun of him for it. He just can't <laughs> – he just can't uh, reply back. So, uh, yeah, the dead time of sports is – is this is pretty much the, the end of the hot time in sports. I mean, the NFL is a dead season now. The Major League Baseball is obviously underway, but it's kind of that point before the All-Star game, before people start paying attention to to really, you know, the standings uh, and, and some, you know, hot midseason trades start. Got the NBA playoffs and NHL playoffs obviously going. Um, but, you know, this the summer is kind of a, a, a deader time in sports. And, uh, and <laughs> that's kind of where we are. But we have... Uh, we do have stuff to talk about today. We want to talk about our Outsports reunion, which is happening at the end of June, and we have some hot details about that. Um, but we wanted to start off talking about uh, the, the San Diego Padres and the national anthem and the San Diego Gay Men's Chorus and 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 the brouhaha that that rose up from that. And I know Jim and I kind of see this a little bit differently. That you know, the, very soon after the I mean, literally before the game was over, the 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 San Diego Gay Men's Chorus started accusing the San Diego Padres of homophobia 
And, uh, of course, it came out that it homophobia had absolutely nothing to do with it. Unless you're a conspiracy theorist, there are plenty of conspiracy theorists. Jim, do you still think there's any chance that there was a hint of homophobia involved in this incident? Well, the only the only homophobia came from the fans. I mean, there were some fans who were chanting, you sing like a girl and stuff. I think that was... That was sort of intertwined with homophobia? what happened. homophobia? I mean, come on. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was absolutely. a girl's voice. It was funny. I, I, ah, listen, homophobia. I, I totally see homophobia? why they did You have 100 gay men, and you have men who have been called sissies and pansies their whole life, a lot of people, and you say you sing like a girl. Yeah, that's homophobia. That is not I, homophobia. Me, that that that's, is the fans. It was a girl's voice over the loudspeaker. I, I, how can, I understand that, that might have been how the, how the gay guys took it. Uh, they, they took the entire night as homophobia. But I, I don't see how, that was the, how there was any intention of homophobia. I mean, it was and, – and plus, videos come out showing that the fans didn't say that. that the fans were talking about them singing in one voice, not a girl's voice. Uh, well, the, the, there were members who said they heard that specifically. So I'm telling you, I understand more so than maybe – other people do. I mean, the humiliation they must have felt. You're on. That at the time they didn't know what was going on. They thought they'd be performing the national anthem, and all of a sudden a woman's voice comes on. And for a lot of people, I think who have had bad memories, gay people of sports, this was sort of an affirmation. You're standing there almost by yourself, naked, like with the crowd sort of laughing, maybe with you, or and you think they're laughing at you. And I so I do kind of get why they maybe initially overreacted. I mean, I know you and I have overreacted to a lot of things we've seen in the sports world, and then we've kind of calmed down. So I totally get their initial reaction. I mean, the reality was it was a total screw-up, and I think initially the Padres did not handle it in the best way. Um, Their first apology was one of those, we're sorry if anyone was offended. I mean, they, they could have been, they were a little tone deaf, I think, about how this came across to gay people. I think they were in the, next, the light of the next day, I think everybody kind of realized, A, that the chorus overreacted, but that the Padres, you know, were a lot more contrite um, and sort of dealing with it. I mean, I know the chorus has now asked that the DJ who was fired, which I kind of wonder, why would you fire a guy if it was an accident? That was kind of a weird thing to me. I mean, I think they overreacted in firing him. Um, since it was, it seemed clearly a screw-up on his part, and he admits yeah. it, and he feels bad about it. So then it's like, well, why would the Padres have fired the guy? And now the chorus is even saying bringing it back. So, yeah, I understand the initial feeling. And I think for any marginalized group, when you see something that could be an innocent mistake, you look back at all the other examples of mis- injustice in your life or the lives of others, and you say, ah, it can't be a mistake. And it could be, yeah, sometimes it's just a screw-up, even though it looks it looks worse than it might be. Well, and just so you know, Major League Baseball has just released a statement saying that uh, their internal Department of Investigations has concluded um, that blah, 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 the employees involved had no malicious intentions and universally relayed contrition for how the incident unfolded. A bizarre, certainly, you know, it's, it's, Clear as day to anybody who isn't uh, doesn't ascribe to conspiracy theories, but we have plenty of those on Twitter who continue to say that the lack of attention to detail demonstrates homophobia. Uh, that somehow the mistake happened because subconsciously uh, the people at the controls weren't as focused because it was gay men on the field, which is insane. But 
it, it, it is a very rare thing that happened. And I do understand how when you're out there and you ha- and the, I understand how the mind goes immediately too. Well, this I'm gay. We're all gay men. That's what makes us different. And the other thing that makes us totally different from every other national anthem singer is the fact that this total screw up happened. And to link the two, uh, one as a cause and the second as an effect, I understand going there. What I, what I, what I, what. I just wish they had done differently. The chorus is taking a deep breath and a step back and waited till the next day to re- start releasing statements and start contacting bloggers and start telling them that there was homophobia. And uh, so that, that's, that's what I had wished had happened. Um, but I, uh, yes, I, I, I understand why they went there. I just don't understand why they went there so publicly. That's what I, that's what that's I think, oh, I, that, I think a lot of it is, is the problem. I think it's the nature of social media that people post things in the heat of the moment. They post it when they're feeling righteous or angry or whatever and then you look back and oh, I got kind of, you know, I wish I hadn't said it that way. I mean, I wrote my initial post and I said, you know, whenever it did this should be fired and I changed it about 20 minutes later and said Unless this was a mistake, that person should be fired. Because then I thought, wait a second, I wouldn't. If it was an honest mistake, the guy shouldn't be, a guy or, or woman shouldn't be fired. So we could all act that way, and I think that's what social media does. It's so immediate, and you want to get the story out there. And the chorus wanted to get the story. They're probably hearing from people. So yeah, you're absolutely right that it would have been good if they had waited and maybe you know um, thought a little bit more about it and been more measured in it, but. That's why I think this is this is sort of a fascinating study because there was no malicious intent, and yet you can see from the chorus's point of view why you think it's a malicious intent. Even a thing about the girl's voice, and I understand what you're saying now, but at the time you're sitting there thinking you're going to sing national anthem, all of a sudden you hear a girl's voice, and what it brings to you is, oh my God, they're saying we're a bunch of sissy sissy girls, and you have no idea if the person doing it in the control thought it was a funny joke, right? If that was a I never thought it was a conspiracy as much as maybe one person thinking, oh, this was going to be funny. It turns out it wasn't anything of the sort. But you can see how the mind thinks that way. And then after you've had time to think about it and you deconstruct it, oh, God, it was just a total screw-up because the thing they had queued up was the previous night's national anthem, which happened to be a woman singing. If it happened to be a guy singing, it would have been a different different thing. And, you know, so I, I, I do think it's an example of how everybody tends to shoot from the hip and ask questions later. And we see this on social media all the time. I mean, there's these people's lives have been ruined about these, you know, memes going out about how they said something allegedly racist or sexist or whatever. And then when you deconstruct it, it's like it was, it was stripped of its context or, you know, that wasn't exactly what happened. And yet the damage had already been done. And in this case, it didn't, you know, it hurt one individual. Um, who, again, again, I, he should be reinstated if it was a mistake. Um, but I think it's kind of a lesson to everybody well, that we all just we all overreact to stuff these days and don't ever try to get the facts first. Well, it's interesting. I, and and I, I did I did not overreact. My, my first my first initial thought was not homophobia at all. My first thought was this was a mistake in the control room, because if you just if you take 60 seconds and sit back and look at the situation it made no sense that well first of all the the chorus was 
trying to claim that it was some conspiracy by the Padres to embarrass them because the Padres are homophobic, and which is totally insane. Uh, that that part is totally insane. That the Padres would invite them back for the second straight year, host an LGBT Pride Night, then conspire with a third party vendor and the and the people on the field and some other people to get them to all play this other track to embarrass them on television in front of a stadium of, of ten thousand people is totally insane. So the other part, the other possibility is that somebody took their career into their own hands. And decided that they were going to embarrass, that they were going to take control of this themselves singularly and embarrass the game and scores, even though they didn't a year before. So both of those things are totally illogical. And I think the third is the fact that I had seen this almost identical thing happen before, just told me very quickly just homophobia has nothing to do with this. So I, you, you can't say everybody jumped to everybody jumped to homophobia because no, I didn't. I just, well, I, I'm I talking about the people who posted, who posted no this sense. thing on the course, because that's what started. If they had not posted it on social media, then none of this would have been known until whatever, two or three days later. And the Padres did, did not again? do I mean, the Padres could have done a much better job of saying immediately, this was a total mistake. This, you know, I mean, and, and yet they, their first reaction was like, was, yeah, we made a mistake, but they sort of didn't, I think, get the gravity of it. And, you know, the uh, the general, what is it, the CEO clearly did, you know, when he got a call from someone and, you know, he went out to San Diego Union Tribune and said, you know, how just embarrassed he was by it. And I think if that, that had come out initially from the Padres, that would have been better. But their Twitter feed had one mention of it, and then the rest of it was about the game. And so it was kind of like it's, it seems sort of a backhanded thing. And now, again, it's Saturday night when the game happens. So it's a weekend and people are in a different mindset. Um, but well, I do think it's – To be clear – it's, it, it was in the statement they made was after the CEO had personally contacted the chorus to apologize and try to explain what had happened. They had also received an email from their direct contact at the Padres. This was in the middle of the game going on, so these people all have do have other things to deal with, and they released a two sentence statement that that said. Essentially, this was a mistake. We apologize, and we have contacted the chorus, who were the people who were actually offended, personally, to apologize profusely, which they did. So I just, I mean, again, the chorus said that the the, the chorus said that the, uh, the public apology wasn't enough, even though they had gotten a phone call from the freaking CEO, uh, that the public apology wasn't enough. And then when I tried to ask them what it should have included. All they said, well, it wasn't. It just should have been longer. Like if it was, if it had said the same thing, but with six sentences, that would have been fine. Two sentences is enough. So is it like 190 characters is enough, but 140 isn't. Well, again, I think it goes to the frame of mind of someone who feels really humiliated, and you often aren't thinking as clearly. So it's kind of easier um, to to kind of fly off the handle when you felt when you feel that way and that and we see that kind of regularly and I think that's what um, that's what's at play here. So, so, so I mean so, it's kind so of fascinating so, how these situations can get really just kind of screwed up. Yeah. So do you think that it, you know listening to San Diego sports radio, um, I listen to Scott and Br show many afternoons. There's there's definitely like a well the Padres screwed up and 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 typical Padres right I mean the San Diego fans 
But there, there's also a bit of, you know, this was a bit of Boy Who Cries Wolf and, and a little bit of frustration with, I think, the chorus and the LGBT community that everyone did jump immediately to homophobia, labeling the Padres and all of Major League Baseball as homophobic. Uh, and and I, 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 we saw that from people all across the country. Jason Collins immediately on social media said this was not a mistake. This was they. In, this was in, 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 intentional, and they tried to embarrass these people because they were gay. This is homophobia. So does it does it hurt that that was the collective reaction of everyone without trying to unearth any facts whatsoever? Yeah, it hurts. I mean, it's it's not a good thing, but again, it's an understandable thing. That's what I'm saying is that. You know, yeah. if there have been there have been a lot of real examples that continue of homophobia in in society. So when something like this happens, you can see why people's immediate reaction is, you know, this is bad because it just seems, boy, coincidental. The one time they had this screw up happens, it happens when the gay men are singing. I mean, that's what people that's what how people's minds think. And so I think I'm saying, yeah, yeah. In, in hindsight, it's like, yeah, we overreacted and, you know, we shouldn't have. But at the time, it's understandable. Yeah, I, 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 actually, I, I, so I, I actually think that you and I agree. Because I, I agree. It is understandable. And, and, and I don't – it's funny. It probably sounds like I'm, like, blaming the chorus. I don't really blame the chorus. It's like, it's like blaming the victim of a crime about how they reacted, you know, I, I do want. I, I understand how it happened. I just. I wish it had gone a little bit differently. It, it could have. It could have saved some heartache if, if obviously the Padres had handled things differently, and if the chorus had handled their reaction a little bit differently. But, but of, of course, I understand. I understand where it comes from, and just wish it had been handled a little bit differently. And I, and I, I've heard that several. People who run choruses around the country, a couple of them have reached out to me and 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 said that they are they were disappointed with how the the San Diego chorus handled it, and and some uh, a couple LGBT leaders emailed me or texted me and said you know yeah gosh I'm I'm tired of this this boy who cries wolf situation so I think it's just an interesting conversation to us for us to have as a community like how long do you have to wait to 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 dig up some answers and do some fact finding before you make accusations of homophobia. I think it's just a, I think it's a good conversation for us to have as a community because I do I do think that people you know people want to be on our side except when we make missteps like that. Yeah, I do think that I'm kind of wondering um how these same courses would have reacted if it happened to them. I also think it's easy for people to say, well we would have reacted different. We don't know. You, they may have reacted the same way. I think it was the fact that the woman's voice, to me, if, it, if they had been a man, if it had been, you know, Luciano Pavarotti singing the national anthem, they probably all would have got a hoot out of it. I think it was the fact that you're sitting there, you're expecting to sing, you're a woman, and so that was the trigger for a lot of people. And yeah. we've heard it ourselves just, we cover, we cover sports, obviously. How many times have we heard from gay men? We don't hear it nearly as much. Oh, sports is terrible. Sports is, you know, people in the gay yeah. community have often liked to dump on sports. So for guys maybe in the course, it was like, yeah, I've always hated sports, and this shows me why. And they, they jumped to that thing. So, yeah, it is a good debate because I think we need to get the facts in. In this case, it was contained pretty quickly. I mean, 
you know, again, except for the employee, I wonder, like, why aren't they hiring this guy back? The chorus itself says they don't want him fired. Oh. So just, I just got a statement from CEO Mike D with the Padres. Based on MLB's findings, as well as the support of the San Diego Gamers Chorus, DJ Art Romero has accepted our invitation to continue to provide services for the team in a role to, in a role to, be, to be determined. So maybe <laughs> sweeping the ground. Well, you know, <laughs> if, 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 you, if, you, if you don't want this mistake to happen again, the best thing you could do is hire the guy who made the mistake to do that role because there is no – he is the one person on earth who will never, ever, ever, ever let that mistake happen again. Well, yeah, and he should be the one who does it when they when they sing whenever they're going to be singing it. I mean, this could be one of those things where everybody comes out feeling better because he felt terrible about it. I mean, he wasn't trying to defend himself or say, or blame them. He just felt awful about the whole situation. And so, to their credit, the chorus said, "We don't want the guy sacked." So it's kind of interesting we're having news breaking as we're doing the podcast. But you know, this. But you're right, though. I do think it's a good example that it can kind of hide the fact when real homophobia comes along um, to kind of jump to the conclusion. So it's kind of like you can understand why it happened, but it's a shame that, you know, um, it kind of reached that way. But obviously the Padres have taken certainly cared enough to, you know, be issuing statements and in fact that MLB actually investigated it or did something um, was a good thing. Yeah, they, um, well, MLB took this very seriously. Cause I, know, I know Billy Bean took it very seriously from the start, so... Well, at the end of the day, you know, this guy gets his job back. The chorus hopefully goes back and sings again. There is not a mistake. There is not a mistake with the national anthem, uh, and 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 everybody, and and it all ends well. That would be the best if they go back and there's actually another mistake. <laughs> that would be well, it would be the worst, but it would be the best. Um, anyhow, switch, switching gears, we want to talk a little bit uh, before we finish here about our upcoming Outsports reunion, which is in Chicago over Gay Pride, June I don't know, 23rd to 26th or whatever it is. Uh, and we've got about, looks like we've got about 80 to 100 people coming, Jim, which is, which is great. Um, what, let's just talk about some of the things that some of the attendees and some of the people in the public can be a part of. And I know you've been working hard on, on Friday afternoon, which is for the, for, for the LGBT people in sports. Um, you know, we're really focused on, on creating opportunities to share stories and get to know each other. So I want to give, like, give people a preview of what, what Friday will look like, and then we can talk about some of the public-facing stuff. Uh, Friday is a sort of by invitation only people who have registered for the conference, a five-hour session at the center on Halstead uh, in the middle of Boys Town. Unlike some of the past uh, conferences we've had where there's been a lot of sort of, you might call it top-down speaking from, you know, a small handful of speakers, um, you know, kind of dispensing their wisdom, so to speak, this is going to be very much crowdsourced, for want of a better term. Uh, we're going to have the participants doing a lot of sharing with each other and learning from each other. We have some, some role-play games, some exercises set up. Uh, but the idea is going to be about people wanting to get to know each other because, Anyone who's ever been to a conference, the one thing they say was the most sort of rewarding was getting to meet new people. And I've spoken to people who've done conferences in all sort of different professions to pick their brains about stuff they've done in activities, and they all say, well, the social stuff is what they sort of most treasured and valued. It was the contact. So we're going to sort of 
formalize that for this five-hour block, where it's going to be a lot of, you know, meeting new people, hearing their stories, and then hopefully having people walk away with people they can connect with the rest of the weekend and beyond, which is what the value, I think, lies much more in than sort of people lecturing people on, you know, homophobia or stuff, which we all kind of know that stuff by heart anyway. So I think that's what we're most excited about. Yeah, it it is an opportunity to get to know each other. What we've found is that the most powerful tool that we have in in changing sports is the people in sports themselves because they're the ones who build the community and and reach out to other LGBT people who might be in the closet or afraid, and they're the ones who inspire other people and and, and getting them together to just share stories, share ideas, get to know each other, strengthen the community, and expand the size of the net, we think is a, is a, you know a huge part of help helping people. And we have people who we've who we've written about who are coming. Um, Mason Darrow will be there, uh, and and um, PJ Painter and Matt Hatsky. Those are just some of the people. And then we have other people who we've never heard of or who are very 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 closeted and hopeful in sports and hopefully that will you know that friday session getting to know people and sharing stories will help them help them find their way out of the closet if if not publicly at least in their private life um also we've got uh, a couple of public facing events uh we've got the uh on saturday evening we're going to have kind of a, a ted talk style event where where some of the some of the athletes uh, at the again at the Center for Halstead, will share their stories. We'll pick eight to ten people who will kind of talk about different elements of their uh, their story. And we haven't quite finalized exactly who it's going to be, but you know, we, you know one, right? You Luke has already agreed to do this, right? Yes. So why don't you just uh, just talk about who, who Luke is and just kind of give people a flavor of what they might hear Saturday. Uh, Luke McAvoy is a former Big Ten uh, college football player at the University of Minnesota. He came out publicly and out sports this spring. He had been, uh, you know, and he told his out, he was out on the team when he played with them. And, you know, his, his, his opening was about hearing um, discussions in the showers, basically, about gay marriage and feeling he couldn't chime in because he would give away the game and about the process of how he came out and how in many ways isolated he felt, which is what I think was a key point of it, that he said he hadn't heard of any other out gay athletes. And when he first sent me that in his first draft, I wrote back and said, in 2014, you had not heard of Michael Sam or Jay. You know, I found it impossible. And his thing was, I didn't ever want to do any kind of searches on that because I didn't want to maybe find out that that's what I was by hearing about these other people. And so he was so in his own little world as a closet athlete at the time, I thought that was a really sort of powerful thing that shows why we even kind of say, well, how can people feel they're still alone and isolated when we've been around for 16 years and there have been hundreds and thousands of stories written by the mainstream media over the past, you know, decade and a half. And yet I think that mindset is that you're such, you're so inside yourself that you assume that your story is so unique that there's no one else in the world who's ever lived it. And people like Luke discover, oh, I'm not alone. And so I think that's one of the things he's going to talk about. And the fact that he's a Big Ten football player in Big Ten country doesn't help e- or doesn't hurt either. 
Yeah, and that's just kind of a flavor of some of the people. We have a very diverse group of people that we're asking to speak that night. And, again, it will be open to the public to an extent. There's a limited amount of tickets, and the Center for Halstead will be opening up tickets to the public a couple of weeks before the event. Uh, after the event, if you, if you can't get into the, the public speaking, uh, the spoken word God, performance, I guess, uh, there will be a reception afterward at the Center for Halstead that Saturday night at about 8 o'clock for an hour. You can come and meet meet us and, and meet some of the people who, uh, who are some of the athletes and coaches. The uh, That Thursday night will be at Crew Bar, which is a gay bar in Chicago, after 8 o'clock. You can come by Crew Bar and, and say hi and, and meet some of the folks anytime after 8 o'clock. And then we'll be kind of out and about all weekend. I know we'll be going to... Uh, the, the Pride Bowl, and which is a gay football turn, tournament, and there's a gay soccer tournament, and and we'll be marching in the Pride Parade. So even if you're, uh, you know, if you're not an LGBT athlete or coach, there's going to be other opportunities to say hi and and meet other people and kind of be a part of what we're doing. So I'm excited for this, Jim. I'm, yeah, it'll I, be a great time. It's been a long time coming. All right. Well, well, that is all the time we have this week. We'll be back. Or no. You'll be back. Yes, I'm going to. Yes, we'll be back next week. I will be gone the following week. I will be uh, somewhere between Prague and Amsterdam. Uh, but other than that, hope you have a, a great Memorial Day weekend, barbecuing or dancing or drinking or watching some movie or whatever you do. Either way, enjoy the sun.